You're listening to Gospel-Centered Rest, a podcast by Grace Bible Church in Cambridge, Ontario, dealing with topics of life and theology, and how Christ's promise of rest for the weary and heavy-laden gives us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Welcome back to Gospel-Centered Rest. We are so glad that you are joining us. Today's episode is part two in Matthew chapter five, discussing calming anger. Now here's Pastor David Robinson. So we've said this is the beginning. You are blessed. You have this overwhelming blessing. Am I going to withhold blessing from others? You have this overwhelming quietness. You have this overwhelming peace because of the great kingdom that is given to you. You have all the resources of the kingdom before you. You can live in all the blessings that God has given to you, present, future, and for eternity. And so not only do we read that we are blessed, not only do we read that we are in the kingdom and one day we'll um, experience the kingdom in its fullness, but the third blessing is that the Beatitudes 2 through 7 Talk about what you will receive. So notice the second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. There is no doubt that you will receive the blessings of God because you are in his kingdom, blessed by God. What is Jesus doing with just the words blessed, theirs, and will be? Jesus is overwhelming you with the gospel presence Sometimes we think this is the gospel. We've spoken about this before. But Jesus is just going to forgive your sins and then you have to do your best the rest of the way until you get to heaven. Jesus will bring you from the cross to eternity, but everything else in between there is kind of up to you. The Beatitudes tell you that the gospel is lived out and we live out the gospel not in our own strength. So we're going to read some really difficult things in the Beatitudes and you're going to say, well, that's impossible. That's exactly what the gospel, that's, a, that's the exact place the gospel brings you to. I cannot even be poor in spirit. How can I be a peacemaker in the, in, in the situation that I'm going through? That is an impossibility. And Jesus says, okay, now you get the gospel. Because we need the words will be. God needs to provide the strength. We need to begin not with the problem, but with the person who blesses us, who brings us into the kingdom, assures us of his presence, and then says, this will be given to you. You will receive comfort. You will, you will inherit the earth. You will be filled. You will be shown mercy. You will see God. You will be called sons of God. And you will, or, and because the kingdom of God is yours through Christ Jesus. So if we're going to begin this conversation about anger, the first place is, and it can be an uncomfortable place to go, as much as we might think it won't be, is to begin with the person of Jesus. What have you received from Jesus? Blessing. What have you received from Jesus? Kingdom. What is so much anger about? My kingdom. My will be done. But if your heart and mind are expanded by the kingdom of God, you are not going to fight for your kingdom. It's just not going to be worth it. 
It appears so small and insignificant beside the kingdom of God. The beginning place is that this world is not my kingdom. My kingdom is not my kingdom. I, have alt- I bring nothing before God. Everything I have received is by his mercy. And so it becomes about his kingdom. It becomes about his power and his glory forever and ever and ever. So the Beatitudes begin with the provisions that we have through Jesus Christ. It begins by saying, God, I know that you are a great God and your kingdom is great. How big does your kingdom look now, or we could say Trisha and Ryan's kingdom look now, about a sushi restaurant or about an Italian restaurant? Compared to being in the kingdom of God and the provisions that God will give us to live for him. So often our arguments begin because we have forgotten the greatness of his kingdom and battle for the greatness of our kingdom. That's why in case we don't get to the last beatitude, that, that persecution one is just amazing, isn't it? So, so he's talking about persecution, and he says in verse 11, Jesus says in verse, you are blessed when they insult you and persecute you. Falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Probably some of you could say, well, those are the arguments that I have. They're just saying all sorts of false things against me. Our, most of our conversations at the Italian restaurant, you might say, just end up in, a, in insulting one another. You've never loved me. Um, you always do this. You're this person. And, and at the end of all of this, if your God's a big God, he'll handle those things for you. Now, it doesn't mean you become a doormat. It doesn't mean if you're experiencing abuse, you don't get out of the abuse. 100% you get out of the abuse. As God leads and as, as you, are, you are protected. But in, in these conversations, this back and forth, we insult back because we're going to protect our kingdom. We're going to look after ourselves. And God steps in and he says, you know, blessed when people are doing that. So if that's the greatness of God, if that's his provision, then what does it take to, what does a gospel confession look like? Where do we take the greatness of God? Well, if you're standing before the greatness of God, what is the first place you go? The first place you go is confession. Have you ever been in an argument? I know some, so let's say, okay, we've all been in an argument. The hardest thing within the argument, right, sometimes is just to go back and say, I did this. Please forgive me. You can go days, you can go weeks without, or you can just be in a relationship where you just continue to ignore that that conversation ever took place. You just go on silent mode or whatever it might be. Sometimes the hardest part, and let's just say that you are only 5% wrong on this one, legitimately. Okay? The other person is 95% wrong legitimately. How do you stand before the greatness of God and you are going to go to that person and say, I said those things with that tone and I insulted you 
please forgive me. That's how difficult these first words of the Beatitudes are. Here's the first Beatitude that we read. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. When we read the word poor there, we read that it is no money in the bank account poor. There is poverty and then there's poverty. Jesus is speaking about the poverty. You have nothing to offer. You bring nothing before the other party. Your poverty is a poverty of spirit. When we don't live in poverty of spirit, we live in a way where we say, you owe me. But when we understand poverty of spirit, we say, I have nothing to boast of. I have nothing to demand. We know our place. And we need before God to say, God, this is who I am. This is what I bring. I bring nothing. And then the blessing is, God gladly or we gladly accept the rule of God and enjoy his provisions and enjoy his benefits. So I come before God and I come before others poor in spirit. I cannot boast. I cannot claim. I cannot demand. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So we live under God's greatness. We live under God's sovereignty. We enjoy his provisions, his benefit. Blessed are the poor in spirit turns to blessed are those who mourn. Not only what we cannot offer, but what we do offer, we mourn over. For example, have you just, you, you, you just think of a time when you've spoken words, uh, somebody described it once as toothpaste, right? You squeeze toothpaste out, you just cannot get those, you cannot get toothpaste back in the tooth tub or whatever they call it. It can't go back in. You can't put those words back in, right? And what do you do? You mourn. You confess. You say, this is not who I was created to be. This is not what I want to do. We grieve over sin of this world, but we also grieve over the destruction of anger and how we contribute to it. We mourn. We find it difficult to experience what? Comfort. But Jesus says, as you mourn in a relationship, what do we do with anger? Well, we keep at it. Offensive, defensive, offensive, defensive, offensive, offensive, defensive. We just go at it. What does Jesus say? We contribute nothing. What we contribute is often painful to others. We mourn. And when, you begin, when you're in a relationship where you're mourning before one another because of what you're doing to one another, you, that's where you begin to find comfort. Isaiah chapter 62, verses 1 and 3. I think this will come up on the screen. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. That's speaking of the Jesus who will come in the New Testament. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance. To comfort to all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, a festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. 
and they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. That's what comfort looks like from Jesus. When we bring our mourning before Jesus, what we, we rise up out of the ashes. Instead of mourning, we have these splendid clothes instead of despair. We are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We become righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. So comfort isn't just a pat on the back. Comfort is you're changed. When you mourn over your sin, you are a changed person because you say, I don't want to be that person. I am broken over the words that I have said. God, I mourn. God says, I comfort you. And what he does is he puts on splendid clothes instead of despair. I wonder how many people or how many relationships have just given up and they just live in despair. And God's saying, in mourning, there's comfort that clothes you in splendid clothes. You will look brilliant in the works and words that you do for the glory of God. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are humble. If God is great, if we have nothing to bring, if we mourn, what is the obvious next step? We humble ourselves. We are called to serve. We are called to be gentle. We are called to love. We confess before God our need for humility. James the book of James says this, don't they come from the passions that wage war in you? He's asking the question, well, why do you fight? You go check it out, James 4. Why do you fight? Because of what's going on in your heart. That's what he says. Imagine James as a counselor. Oh, I'd love for you to come and fix my marriage. I'd love for you to come and fix my friendship. James 4 walks into the counseling room and says, well, okay, ask me. Why, 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 why is there fighting why do you fight with one another? And then the, uh, one friend says, well, it's because that person. One church member said, well, it's because that person. The husband says, it's because of my wife. The wife says, because it's my husband. James says, it's none of that. It's what's going on in your heart. That's a little uncomfortable. And what he'll actually do is he'll say, he, he'll, he'll end up in James 4, verse 10, he'll say, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So many arguments end up because we will exalt ourselves. Blessed are the humble and then blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I just want to read to you these two Psalms. Listen to these. Or Proverbs. Proverbs 16.32. Patience is better than power. I think it will come up on the, yeah, there it is. Patience is better than power and controlling one's emotions than capturing a city. What do you think of power? You think about capturing a city. Do you know what Proverbs says about power? When you capture your emotions. When, when it doesn't explode. When you see the kingdom of God and his greatness and when you approach another person and say, before God, you say, God, I am poor in spirit. You say to the other person, I mourn of my sin. This is my sin. I humble myself before you. And now I hunger and thirst for righteousness because I hunger and thirst to be filled. I hunger and thirst to be filled with power that doesn't overtake a city, but power that controls emotions, that captures emotions. Psalm, or Proverbs 18, 19 is another one. He says, a person's insight gives him patience, and his virtue is to overlook an offense. We're going to look at that later on down the road, but like when do you overlook and, and when do you talk with someone? But sometimes a person's insight gives patience. 
You don't have to address everything. Is, is there a generosity? Are, are, are you just so filled with the generosity of God and say, I, I don't need to look after all of that. God, there are moments when you will just look after it and I will, I will just patiently love the other person. What would it mean for, for Ryan and Trisha to be filled that they would hunger and thirst? What would it mean for you to be... Do you think that Ryan would have been filled at the Italian restaurant because he won the argument? Do you think that would have been a good day for him? Do you think Trisha would have been filled if she had won the argument? Is that what it means to be filled? It says hunger and thirst after righteousness. What is right? What is right in these moments to humble ourselves, to recognize that there is a kingdom and it is not our kingdom? And then we come just to the last part and we move through these quickly. If the first part is who is God and our relationship with God, then how does that impact our relationship with others? If we understand, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the humble, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled, then this is how it impacts our relationship with others. If we're just going to start with um, blessed are the merciful without understanding the first four beatitudes, we will not understand mercy. If I understand the greatness of God, or if I am growing in my understanding of the greatness of God, the very first thing that will begin to come out of me is this generosity. If our God is not a generous God, then we will not be a generous people. If it is not the kingdom of God, then it will be our kingdom. We will defend our kingdom and we will lose sight of God's kingdom. But if God is who he is, and we bring nothing before him, we mourn over our sin, we humble ourselves, and we seek after what is right, then the immediate response becomes, blessed are the merciful. To be merciful is to have this generous attitude. The problem is, our hearts so often engage in judgment. What the person did or did not do, whether they know they did or did not do those things. Sometimes there's just unwritten rules in relationships that actually nobody understands, but everybody lives by. And if you don't live up to an unspoken rule, then all of it, there's this quiet bitterness or there's this explosive rage. And then there's this incredible separation that takes place. Blessed are the merciful. Why? For they will receive mercy. It's kind of like how Jesus talks about forgiveness. Forgive as I have forgiven you. As you have been merciful, how has God been merciful to you? What did you bring to God that he would even notice you? How much sin did you bring to God? Was he merciful? Did he stop by the dusty road and said, there's a blind man, there's a blind woman. I stop. You are healed. You are made alive in Christ because of Christ, because Christ stopped to have mercy on you. And you say, sometimes, why do I live in such a combative relationship? It's this, it's this beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they receive mercy. Sometimes you live in a combative relationship because there's no mercy in the relationship. 
you have been showing, showing the incredible blessing of God, that thimble under Niagara Falls of the mercy that he is showing you and shows you every single day. And I am not going to extend that. We'll read later on, even to our enemies. That's how counter the Beatitudes are. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. Do we really know our hearts? Am I 100% sure I want to win this argument and lose the person? Am I 100% sure? Is my heart so pure, I understand every intention that what I am saying in order to win this argument is absolutely necessary? Do I trust my heart that much that it is that pure? How much sin remains in my life? This addresses that we can easily justify anger. But blessed are the pure in heart for what? For they will see God. I love that, right? Because when you see God, you're, you're essentially seeing the gospel. You're seeing all the blessings of God. And so when, when we say, blessed are the pure in heart, for they see God, that's a celebration of the gospel. The gospel is life transforming. God gives you the grace to live a pure life. He gives you the grace to grow in purity. So the words that you used to use, you don't use. So the silence that you used to give, you do not do anymore. For the explosions that you have, you, God gives you this growing purity because you begin to see who God is and how God is with you. And you begin to see his blessings and his provisions and his kingdom and all that he gives you in order for you to live differently, to live purely. So if you find yourself stuck in a relationship and you say, nothing will change, blessed are the pure in heart. They see God. I see God. That changes my heart. And then blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. To be called a son of God, as you know, is to look like God. If you're the son of a farmer, you were a farmer back then. If you're a son of God, you begin to, to reflect God. Who is God? God's a peacemaker. Am I a peacemaker in my relationships? Or am I a headhunter? Or am I a defender of greatness or whatever it might be? Do I seek after peace? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. They will say, that's a God-like attribute. You are seeking peace. You are the first to seek to reconcile. You are the first to go and ask for forgiveness. Even if it's been 20 years of junk in your relationship, the first to go and say, the Beatitudes need to be part of our relationship. We need to understand words like blessing, will be, theirs is the kingdom. We need to see that God provides everything we need in order to be blessed by him. We need to begin with who God is. My approach before God, I can bring nothing, I bring my sin, so I mourn over it. So I humble myself. His is the kingdom. And then that changes my relationship with others around me to say, am I merciful? Not only am I merciful, but do I seek purity of heart? Do I seek to be a peacemaker in my relationships? 
because blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of God is theirs. So what if everything doesn't go your way all the time? Blessed are those, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So what begins to happen in our relationships is we begin to pray through the Beatitudes. We come before God and we say, God, we're not very good at this, but I've read words of blessing, will be, and theirs is. There are provisions for me to be a peacemaker. And God, I come before you and I come before others and I say, I am poor in spirit and I mourn over my sin and how I break people's lives. And God, I want to hunger and thirst after righteousness after I humble myself. God, first work in my heart. And then as you begin to work in my heart, lead me on the journey to be merciful. To hunger and thirst after righteousness or to, to be pure in heart, to be a peacemaker. And if I am persecuted, if others insult me, Lord, give me the wisdom when to confront and when to just love. Because imagine just for a moment if God stopped you every time you sinned and spoke a just word into your life. We wouldn't get anything done. But God is a merciful God. He is a pure God. And he is a big God. He will look after you. He will defend you. And by far, his kingdom is far greater and brings far greater blessing than any kingdom that we're trying to establish with other people. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the beginning series on anger, and we thank you that we can begin with your kingdom. We thank you, Jesus, that yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever and ever. And Father, if it has become about our kingdom, if we have stopped mourning over our sin, if we have stopped humbling ourselves before others, if we have stopped being a peacemaker, Father, we pray that you would do your work in our hearts, that we might live in the kingdom of blessing, that we might live in the kingdom of heaven, and that we might know there is comfort, there is peace, and there is your goodness. Heal us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.